You're listening to the official Ankeny Community School District podcast, We Are Ankeny, where we're sparking conversations about all things Ankeny schools. I'm Dr. Eric Pruitt, superintendent for Ankeny Schools, and this is Let's Talk About It on the Ankeny Schools podcast channel, We Are Ankeny. Returning to the podcast is Carol Eddy, Director of Curriculum and Innovation at Ankeny Schools. Carol, let's talk about secondary math and computer science curriculum, specifically 6th through 12th grade math and computer science. So there's a, a lot to unwrap. I'm sorry. Welcome, Carol. <laughs> Thank you very much. I appreciate it. I'm, I'm excited I'm to be here. Through. Yeah, I'm really, <laughs> glad to, really glad that you're here with us today. And so there's a lot to unwrap today. And so we're going to get started. And so... Um, I'm sure some of our listeners are familiar with our curriculum review processes um, that we go through um, throughout the, the the year and over the years. Um, but um, can you talk about, you know, why do we look to conduct these curriculum reviews and you know, what does it actually affect um, for our teachers um, and our students? So the the nice thing about having a curriculum review um, is that we've put it on a cycle, and that really just makes sure that we uh, reevaluate what we're currently teaching students in every content area on a regular basis. Um, we don't want to wait until something's going wrong before we decide that we need to change something. And so this is really one of our proactive strategies to make sure that whatever we're putting in front of students is best practice, um, that it's really aligned with what's going to help them be successful outside of uh, outside of school. Um, when they leave us, um, and making sure that our, our teachers know what those best practices are and, and keeping us up to date. Um, even within um, a, a stretch of time where you're not in curriculum review, we still have curriculum advisory teams that meet um, to make sure that if something has changed, that we can respond um, reactively at that time. Um, but really, a curriculum review cycle allows us to be proactive. And so do curriculum reviews automatically mean that we're going to have a, a complete overhaul of district curriculum? Not necessarily. So the whole purpose of that curriculum advisory team is really to assess um, our data. Is our data going well? Our stu- is it student achievement great? Um, how does um, enrollment look in our classes? Are we being equitable? Um, and, and if everything looks like it's going well, mm-hmm. then we can not change anything or change very minimal things. Um, maybe it's just a resource that's now outdated and we need the next version of it. Um, but that group is really supposed to assess how well things are going. And then if things aren't going well, then let's Let's fix those and just change those. So sometimes it is a complete overhaul. Nope, this is outdated. This doesn't work anymore. It's not working for teachers. It's not working for kids. Let's redo. Um, or there's maybe new standards that are out. Oh, we've been using these old standards. That's no, Those are no longer the ones that we need to be using. Um, but sometimes if it's the same standards, um, it may be just tweaking some things um, or, or just making sure there's maybe additional professional learning so all of our teachers are back on the same page again with one another. So you mentioned core selection as one data point with regards to what what, uh, this curriculum committee looks at. Um, What other data points um, are indicators that we we may need to change um, curriculum? Um, And let's talk specifically around math or computer science. So what are those indicators or metrics that um, are um, 
are used um, yep. for us. So when we look at student achievement data, there's really a couple things that we're looking at. One is our ISASP assessment, because that's that state-driven assessment. Um, for some of our courses at the 6-7 level, they're still taking those fast bridge assessments, so AMATH. Um, and uh, we're, we're looking at that achievement. And then at 6th and 7th grade, we have standards that we can look at to mm -hmm. see, okay, how are they doing on these standards? What are we doing? And then we also look at grades when we think of um, our students in 8 through 12. What courses are you know, really a struggle for kids? What where are they flying and what's going well so that we can then better analyze, okay, if kids are doing really well in functions of analysis, um, what's going on with that teacher or maybe what's going on with that course that really makes that work? And if they're not doing so well in geometry, what, where do we need to maybe refine or do something a little bit different um, to make sure that kids are, are maybe better prepared? Mm -hmm. um, so we really look at all of those achievement pieces um, just to make sure that we're appropriately um, – Vertically aligning standards. Sometimes if we've if there's a misalignment, we're not adequately preparing kids for the next course, and that's why they're struggling with it. And so changing or enhancing curriculum, I believe, is really part of our strategic plan. And I think it, it fits into possibly two different pillars of our strategic plan. One, pillar one, prioritizing academic rigor and relevance and pillar three, providing a supportive learning environment. And so in, in your opinion, based off of your work over the years and with our new strategic plan, you know, where does this work fall and how, how do you see it being applied in the future? I actually, when I, uh, when I thought about those three pillars, I really think curriculum review hits in all three. Okay. Um, and definitely in, in pillar one, you know, when we talk about rigorous and relevant academics, definitely because we're trying to make sure that um, whatever we're putting in front of kids is rigorous, is appropriately challenging, and will prepare them to flourish um, when, when they leave us. Um, and so I definitely, that's very easy for me to say that it, that it fits into that. Um, and when you mentioned pillar three, definitely, because part of the professional learning that we give teachers and that we make sure is part of that scope and sequence are ways that we can appropriately engage students, make the course engaging mm -hmm. um, and interesting to them, make sure that it's relevant to them. Um, but also, we have spent some time talking about academic safety. And especially when you think about a math class, some students really come in with a poor self-concept about how they engage with math. Mm -hmm. And we really need to spend some time in courses then Re rethinking that for students. No, right. everybody's a math person. What what can we do to make you feel comfortable with that and really um, making sure it's not just the answer we're looking for sometimes, but the way in which you're thinking about it. Um, and when I think about pillar two, when I think about like hiring appropriate teachers, when we um, when we redefine what our courses are, that may redefine what um, what certificates we really need um, in order to uh, make sure that we're teaching those courses. Um, and so I think making sure that we're, we're really all aligned with all of those things in curriculum review, I, I really think it affects all three of those pillars. Okay. And so for our parents and uh, who are listeners um, that have attended our, our uh, Parent Advisory Council, um, we've talked about math um, in, in those PAC meetings. And so we've, we've actually mentioned uh, math progressions. But for our listeners that haven't been able to be part of those conversations, um, can you explain uh, what we mean by math progression? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's a there's a couple different ways that we talk about progression. One is um, making sure that students are adequately prepared for the next course in the series. Right. We want to make sure if you complete second grade math that you are ready for third grade math. And that really takes our teachers looking at all of our standards mm -hmm. and making sure that they do stack up. Um, against one another, and that each teacher knows, 
I need to make sure my students understand this because this is how this is going to look, not only in the next course, but possibly even three or four courses down or, or a couple buildings down, right? They need to know the whole progression so that they can adequately prepare students. I think the other progression that we talk about is the progression within a standard. So standards are very broad. Um, there's lots of learning that needs to occur. So when you when you see those, I don't know, there's probably like 12 words in a standard, right? That it's a lot of learning. And so what does it mean for a student to just touch into that, just beginning to understand what does it mean to progress in that standard? Mm -hmm. What does it really mean to meet that standard? So what pieces of evidence would I use to meet? And not only that, we really spend some time talking about how to advance in the standard because we do have students that will demonstrate meeting early on in the year. And and really, it's a year-long standard, but they've already demonstrated that they're meeting it. We don't want them to sit at meeting for the rest of the year. We want them to be able to be exposed to that standard at a deeper contextual level um, or a deeper conceptual level as well and how can we engage those students and keep them keep them learning even though they might have demonstrated that meeting okay and so for uh, earlier in a previous episode we, we talked about what math looks like in our elementary school and so for our parents that have fifth graders um, that will be rising sixth graders um, this summer what can those sixth grade students and parents expect um, with regards to math progression uh, when, when they get to um, our middle school. Yep. So when you think about elementary, they spend most of the standards are around a computation strategy, right? We still want them to conceptually understand and procedurally be able to do um, uh, uh, computational math. But when they start to get to sixth grade is where the shift starts to occur. And really by seventh grade, you've almost made the shift completely. And certainly by algebra one and eighth grade, you have. And that's really changing from a computational piece to more of that abstract algebraic thinking. You're really Really getting into functions, you're really getting into equations, and please don't say functions. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Man, <laughs> bringing up bad memories exactly, from middle school for exactly. me. Exactly, because you're get, but you're getting into all like the foundations of statistics and the right. foundations of calculus and geometry, um, and those are all very abstract concepts. Which is one of the reasons why we wait until they're a little bit older to get to them. Um, but really, it, it does start to shift, and it's it, it's less tangible for kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes we need to spend just a little bit more time um, understanding those kinds of things. Um, the other thing that's that starts to change is in elementary school, they're all, I would say, grade level based courses where the course is named by the grade level. It's fifth grade math. It's sixth grade math. Um, Even seventh grade, it's still called seventh grade math or will be with our new curriculum um, review change. But um, in eighth grade is where we now want to make sure that we're really... uh, we're putting the appropriate challenge in front of students by naming courses appropriately. So there will be an eighth grade math course for students that you know are, are great at math but really don't foresee themselves going to uh, going into calculus or going into a STEM-based industry. Mm-hmm. Um, anyone who you know is really interested in statistics or interested in um, a liberal arts and science degree or they, they want to go out into um, even accounting, some of those kind of things, they don't need the calculus background in order to do that. And so by going to eighth grade math and then algebra one, um, that helps keep the pace um, adequate for them where they'll still get to algebra two within their um, high school context and still be able to engage in those electives, but they don't need all of the extra math that sort of comes along with a calculus track. Um, and then the other tr- sort of uh, area in eighth grade is, is an algebra one course. So skipping that eighth grade um, year and really going right into algebra one. Um, and then they all proceed on to geometry after algebra one, but then there's two options for algebra two now. So we have an algebra two stats course, which is really supposed to set students up for statistics um, or any other coursework where you 
an analysis of data is really important and being able to calculate that way. Um, and then we've got an Algebra 2 Calc course. So there's um, really making sure that those students are, are ready for calculus. And there's a couple of electives in there that help you transition between because a lot of students don't know where they want to go or what they want to be yet. Um, and so even if they start down sort of one pathway and decide they want to go to another one, then there's some bridge courses that are now associated too, um, just to make sure that students can change pathways even in between um, and, and make sure that they're not pushing themselves too hard and and, and making things really difficult for themselves um, when they really don't need it, um, but also just focusing a little bit of their work in, in an area of interest for them rather than um, working on calculus when maybe that's not your thing. Right. And so what, um, what I hear is that um, unlike um, our, our past practices where um, all of our eighth graders went into um, Algebra 1, um, we are providing more options for our students um, based off of uh, their post-secondary pathway that um, at that time uh, with uh, the students' interest and family guidance, they were able to identify which course um, they would would, would want to take, mm -hmm. correct? Yep, we've, we wanted to make sure we, part of our curriculum review is to analyze that data piece, right? And make changes where we see them. And and one of our highest failure rates right now is Algebra 1. And, and it is a difficult course because you're transitioning from that computational learning into algebraic abstract information. And, and it really does take... Um, a change sometimes in your brain um, to be able to conceptually understand those. Um, so we wanted to make sure that we were providing options for students. And we also wanted to make sure that we were aligned with post-secondary plans. Right. And not everybody is on a calculus track. That's not something that they're interested in. So we don't need to push everybody towards that track either. Right. So can we provide options for students so that they can still be prepared for what they want to do without um, engaging in something that, that maybe they're just not interested in? And so for our parents that may have children in sixth grade or seventh grade um, that are going to be transitioning into eighth grade next year, um, you know, what are some guidance that we can provide um, those parents around how they can assist um, their their child in identifying you know which course um, they should be taking moving forward? So one of the one of the biggest things I would want to talk to students about is where do you self see yourself right now? I know it's difficult as a seventh grader to maybe identify exactly where you want to go, but they usually have a, a fairly good idea. They've gone through some. Uh, interest inventories and naviance at this time. Mm -hmm. So there should be some indicator for them on, on which uh, which level of math they might need. Um, they can also judge it on how well they even like math right now. If it's really just not a high interest for them, um, then choosing the, the eighth grade math course will sufficiently set them up to do whatever they want to after school. And if they change later, okay, I really did decide I want to go to calculus. Like there's another class that they can take. Um, but if they're still really confused, I would encourage them to reach out to their math teacher right? Their math teacher is going to be able to say, hey, the foundational standards for Algebra 1 are these three standards, and you're really struggling with these. I think it would be a good idea for you to take Algebra um, 1, not your eighth grade year, but your ninth grade year. Let's spend another year in, in eighth grade math, where not only can you get some more information on these standards, but get some foundational um, learning around those Algebra 1 standards. So you're really set up very well um, to do um, a nice job in Algebra 1. I mentioned earlier, kids have sometimes a really poor concept of math, and I think that's sometimes because we've put them in a course where they're not quite ready for. Um, and we don't want any student to feel like, I'm not a math person. Right. I can't do math. Um, and when we put them in Algebra 1 way too early, then that's that's the... 
that's what we're promoting sometimes for kids. And if we can say, hey, you know, it's okay. You're still going to meet all your graduation requirements well before you need to graduate. Um, you'll still be able to get to those mathematics electives. You don't need to go so fast um, if you're not interested in doing that. Yeah. So for our listeners, Carol just mentioned um, a, a term called Naviance. It's actually not a term. It's a platform. Uh, Naviance is a, a post-secondary platform that uh, K through 12 school districts use to help um, our middle school and high school students um, plan uh, their post-secondary uh, goals um, and, and track their progress throughout uh, their their time um, in, in middle school and high school. And so um, in addition to tracking their progress um, with post-secondary planning, um, there are there are also opportunities for our counselors to um, issue interest inventories to help guide those conversations as a child matriculates through middle school and high school around um, their interest in careers um, and in uh, potential schools that they might um, be interested in, in attending once they graduate from our district. And so for our parents out there who are listening uh, and you have children in middle school or high school and you've never heard of, heard of Naviance, please have a conversation with your child um, today about uh, their Naviance account. Um, log on with them, uh, get their username and password. If they don't have it, reach out to your child's counselor to get their username and password and, and uh, begin navigating that platform together until your child graduates. And so for our our listeners, um, we're also um, embarking on some computer science innovation. And so can you t uh, take us through um, the priority standards for um, computer science? Yep. So one of the nice things to know about our computer science program is we we have a robust program in computer science and have had for years. Um, and so at both of our high schools, we have had um, computer science courses. The biggest changes are not only in standards. So the state of Iowa um, has adopted um, sort of the new computer science standards. So that's one of the biggest upgrades to all of our computer science courses. Um, teachers knew what students needed to learn, but didn't really have standards to guide them in it. And now we have standards. So it was the selection of standards and making sure that we're, um, we've got a really good progression of learning for students. Um, so those pieces not only include things like programming, so a lot of people, um, when they think computer science, the first thing they think about is coding, um, but there are lots of other um, uh, learnings that happen with computer science around algorithms and understanding sort of that first, that, that if-then kind of language, um, understanding web design um, and how um, how all of that needs to be um, programmed, um, as well as cybersecurity. So um, one of the things that we did with computer science, knowing that a lot of students, uh, yes, can go on to a post-secondary institution and learn more, but we've got a lot of students who love computer science and can go immediately out into the workforce. And so what might we need to change about our programming so that we can best prepare students for both of those avenues. And so before we had so many programming classes um, and very minimal in any other pathway. So now we still have quite a few programming classes um, and making sure that they're getting to JavaScript, making sure they're getting to HTML, Python, all of those different languages we still want them to learn. Um, but we're also now sharing a pathway for web design so that they can really experience how to build a website and make it work the way that you want it to, um, as well as cybersecurity. Now we'll have a cybersecurity one and two, and that will really set them up either to go into the industry or go um, to a DMAC Career Academy or DMAC Academy on um, 
uh, on cybersecurity. So we've really tried to make sure that industry had an opportunity to comment on what courses we were planning on offering so that we could make sure we were as up-to-date as possible. Computer science is one of those where it's on an every seven-year cycle, right. but we need to evaluate it much more frequently with how um, how that changes. Yeah, uh, As technology changes, mm-hmm. we need to more frequently look at um, what we're teaching around computer science. Yes. We, we don't want it to be obsolete. Exactly. And so can you also talk about our priority centers around math? Mm-hmm. So the priority centers for math, um, I would the the Iowa Core is still the 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 group of standards that we're required to use in, in our math classes. And so the biggest change really was looking at that vertical alignment. I mentioned it before where uh, we're, when looking at data, we noticed that, that students are struggling in certain courses. And one of the gaps that we saw in our previous curriculum review work was, ooh, we might not have done the best job with vertically aligning these and making sure that students um, are adequately prepared. So spent a lot of time really this review, not um, unpacking the standards or better understanding them because they are the same, mm-hmm. um, but really reprioritizing them so that students are adequately prepared for the next course. Uh, and that's really the inception of that eighth grade course as well. Okay, it's a big jump for, for kids from the standards that they learn in seventh grade to algebra one. A lot of kids can do that jump and some of them really need other stair steps for them. And that's why that eighth grade course was developed so that we can get students adequately prepared for that next course. Yeah, and so being prepared, but then also being uh, setting our kids up for success um, and being successful in the courses that they're able to choose um, a- as they go through school. And so um, I'm a very competitive person. Um, I-, I want our teachers to be the best. Um, I, want to, I want our staff at Central Office to be the best. But then more importantly, I, I want our outcomes for kids to um, be the best. So I-, I want our district to outperform every district um, in Iowa, um, let alone uh, nationally. And so um, we've been talking about math um, and how we're trying to improve outcomes for kids. What are our our ISAP um, math goals um, this year? So we've got a couple different goals, right? We've got those proficiency goals that we want to make sure that all students are proficient, but we also have a growth goal, right? We want, even if a student has been proficient for years, we don't want them to stagnate out. We want them to make sure that they're growing as well and that they've got at least a, a year's worth of growth. And that's one of the reasons why we chose some of the standards that we did. When we look at ISASP um, testing and we know what they're testing on mm-hmm. in any grade level, we can make sure that we're prioritizing those standards that align. Um, and that's one of the criteria for prioritizing a standard is by looking at your standardized tests and, and making sure that you're not inadvertently forgetting something um, because we want we want all of our students to be prepared um, for what they're going to be assessed on. Absolutely. And so how, how do you anticipate these enhancements to our math curriculum, um, our approach um, to math um, um, will have an uh, impact on our kids in the future. Yeah. I mean, I think we all anticipate that the changes that we make will increase student achievement, right? Right, um, right now, I, I would anticipate um, that that growth definitely, um, but I think it's important for us to remember this is the first year of implementation at elementary. There's a lot of learning that goes around on, on how to teach something differently mm-hmm. um, and a lot of learning for our staff when we've reprioritized something. This is a standard that maybe they've touched on before but, but haven't gone into depth 
life as they have before. Um, and so a little bit of grace there on, hey, the students are not only going to be new to it, but the staff are going to be new to it too. I don't know that we're going to see a huge jump like next year. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, I would anticipate a steady growth, um, not only in the changes here, um, but a professional development plan that we have for all of our teachers so that they can not only understand their standards better, but even those those eight mathematical practices on how best to teach math um, as we as we work towards that guaranteed and viable experience for all of our students. Well, Carol, um, thank you for joining me again on We Are Ankeny. It's always a pleasure talking um, uh, instruction and curriculum with you. Well, I had a great time. Thanks for inviting me. And so for our listeners, if you want more information about elementary math and computer science curriculum, check out our podcast uh, 13 and 14 from season one. You can find them on the We Are Ankeny podcast channel on Apple and Spotify podcasts. Amazon Music and the district website on the superintendent's page at AnkenySchools.org. Thank you, Carol, again for helping us understand more about the great enhancements uh, coming to our students in the, in their math and computer science classrooms next year. Awesome! Thank you so much, Dr. Brett. We are Ankeny. Thank you for listening to the We Are Ankeny podcast, the official podcast of Ankeny Community Schools. 